Hello, and welcome back to another edition of The Legal Geeks, our podcast on all things legally geeky. I'm here, as always, with my uh, blogging partner in crime, Josh Gilliland. Hey, Josh, how are you? I am wonderful, Jessica. How are you? Well, I should say happy holidays. I am happy for a number of reasons. Um, One, I got a few days off for the holidays. Two, it's almost the end of this god-awful year. And three, I finally got to see Wonder Woman 84, which is a movie we're here to talk about. That and my deep and abiding love for all things Wonder Woman. Um, So Josh, first of all, happy holidays. How are you? Uh, I am I am well. It's uh, I've been very zen the last couple days. Having the low stress holidays has been a welcome change. Uh, I do miss people tremendously. So, <laughs> but having everything being going to the office where only a handful of us are going in to having a comic book store that's also 10 minutes from home, just having this very suburban easy existence (laughs) I don't have to go anywhere I'm just just working just trying to help out where I can it's nice I you know I I mean again we we occasionally get political but you know whenever I hear President-elect Joe Biden it's like listening to a Frank Capra movie and I just feel good There's something to be said for boring. Um, you know, uh, my teenage daughter often mocks my very boring suburban middle-class middle-age uh, life and home. And I'm like, that is true. But yeah, right now I'm like, look, if the biggest drama in my day is a super target, that's five minutes from me is like out of the, my favorite hummus. I will take that. I've had enough excitement and drama this past, well, several years to last a while. So yeah. Boring is not all bad. You need to recharge. Everyone needs therapy. Like it's been a, uh, it's been rough. <laughs> so everyone, uh, you know, Biden's video with the the two German shepherds just hanging out. It's like, good. They're good boys. I I definitely want more of that, and uh, I want to hug those dogs. They look super adorable. Yeah, so, dogs back in the White House finally. And, and a cat. I'm not a cat guy, but I'm excited for a cat. So yeah, it's uh, this is what we've come to uh, after four intense years of emotional abuse on a daily basis. Everyone <laughs> just wants to hug a puppy. Oh. And- well, and it's funny you should actually say that because I'm actually going to use that to segue into Wonder Woman um, because I've actually been thinking a lot about Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 84 coming here at this time where... In theory, we are at the end of the Trump presidency. We'll see what happens here in the next uh, few weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I think we talked about this when the first Wonder Woman came out, too, that there was a real, and I know I certainly read uh, critics uh, say this at the time, that there was a real earnestness to um, Wonder Woman, uh, kind of the sincere do-gooder, sort of the Captain America sort of thing, as opposed to the more snarky, quippy, cocky Iron Man sort of thing. Um, And I certainly know, you know, that worked for me a few years ago and continues to work. I mean, I think, you know, there's certain movies that... um, I really speak to certain times, uh, you know, um, 
and so there's some movies I think are good, you know, that just kind of work no matter when. I will say I just introduced my son to Speed with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. That movie's just always good all the time. But, you know, um, Iron Man, I liked it when it came out. Now I'm kind of sick of, I'm like, you know, we don't need any more like rich genius, you know, mega billionaires who think that they can kind of run the world and decide everything for the rest of us. I'm sick of those types. Um, And certainly this Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman sort of leaned into that earnestness, which we needed that, you know, that contrast, that just pure goodness sort of thing. And then obviously in this Wonder Woman, they really leaned into that. I mean, there was a very heavy emphasis on the truth, um, which was obviously, I'm assuming it was obvious to others. To me, it was very obvious kind of, you know, calling out of just the nonstop lies. And it's funny because of course, even when it would have come out originally, what Wonder Woman was supposed to come out last spring, right? Yeah. That sounds that right. May, I forget like that in Black Widow, how they were all timed. It would have applied then, but, um, you know, the timing now of this movie with this emphasis on the truth after weeks of a nonstop, just completely fraudulent attack on this democracy, where just, I mean, there is a segment of the population that just refuses to believe anything bearing any, you know, resemblance to reality or facts or evidence or the truth. The movie was... And again, I say this as a, you know, diehard liberal, very timely and certainly spoke to me in that aspect. What do you think? I love your analysis of that. I, so the, the duration of the film kind of wore me down. Um, and I don't know if it was because of it was Christmas day and I slept lightly the night before, but I picked up on the truth, but didn't connect the dots to present day, maybe out of denial, just because I'm, I was so tired of <laughs> just dealing with nut jobs who think I can, if I play the great lie, mm-hmm. that I'll just say that the election was fraudulent and that there are dead people voting and just lie through my teeth. And then when the lawyers go into the courtroom, they get their heads handed to them on a plate by Trump appointed federal judges. Yeah. First off, that's super Zen and appropriate. And I do love the rule of law that way. Uh, so when those who attack it uh, get a good bench slap, that's, that's just uh, so feels so good. Yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a scary thing that's driven me nuts. Just the people who are devoid of fact and and leaning into the lie mm-hmm. and the counter to that is what's what's true yep and that is a good message from wonder woman so i didn't initially connect it that way because i was so into escapism <laughs> uh, i just walked right by it <laughs> and it was, it was just like oh look the smithsonian <sighs> i know that was cool too I miss going there. Yeah, that was, that's where I was. Uh, and also taking notes for legal analysis. But yeah, uh, but again, the, you know, as attorneys, we have a duty of candor to the court. Yes. The fancy way of saying you can't lie in court. Yeah. And which is why you get the uh, melting lawyers with with uh, uh, their hair dye and sweat running down <laughs> their face, farting, and uh, not the best uh, legal representation out. Oh, no. 
Not yeah. the what is it? Elite Strike Force, Elite Force Strike Squad. What was the name? I, One point for the Kraken and Rudy Giuliani. Something Elite Strike Force or something. Yeah, not exactly intimidating. Yeah, it's it's more like my ears are bleeding out of. <laughs> uh, no, like the lawyers are the good guys. Like we're supposed to uh, be standing for the rule of law and truth. And well, we all swore to uphold the Constitution. That's the part that constantly gets me with some of these words. We swore to uphold the Constitution, and you are literally working to undermine the Constitution and our entire system of government based on complete and total lies. So there might be some state bar action against some of those. Lawyers. I would hope so. I, I would think enough mm. people are going to be livid with you can't attack the rule of law and yeah. when you go down that path you need to be held accountable and it can't be well i was afraid that trump would tweet at me yeah therefore i was willing to subvert democracy yeah well, turn in your bar card like yeah. you don't get to do that and exactly they'll practice law at the end of the day uh, no you're done. yeah Thank yeah you. You have violated your oath to uphold the Constitution, so you're out. Yeah, it's just you can't hold elected office anymore. We nope. don't we don't like insurrection here. Yeah. And for those who are now actively wondering, well, can we secede from the union? Like, it's like, so you really want to replay 1861 and try nullifying a presidential election because you lost and you're freaked out that God and your guns are going to be taken away. You're, you're nuts. We're in a pandemic. But again, that's just, let's think about the truth. So I know. The truth, which is so coming back to the movie, because um, Josh and I could obviously go off on this for quite a while. Um, but coming back to the movie, I like that emphasis on the truth. Uh, I will agree. And my dad even said this. My dad loves the Wonder Woman movies. He thought this one was a little bit slow. I do think it could have been tightened up a bit. Um, I haven't, I've only watched it once so far, so I haven't been able to go back and see, okay, where exactly did I think it could be tightened? Um, I thought the wish fulfillment stuff was certainly interesting. Um, but again, maybe almost too much of that or something. Plus it took me a while to fully understand what they were trying to do with this wish fulfillment and how it all worked. Um, and that to me, I like that idea too. Again, and I don't know if that's, quite the political statement but just this idea that yeah you know it is dangerous I am very much one of those that when you just wish for things to happen without kind of working hard for them you know it comes with bad stuff so just personally I like that sort of message but I did think that whole idea took too long and also wasn't really clearly explained until the end um yeah again I have mixed feelings on this because there were elements of the film that I liked Mm -hmm. but I overall had a negative impression. <gasps> I didn't go that far. Holy cow. I know it's, it's in, and you know, you know, me with being uh, negative, it's, I was disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's, I know there are people who will absolutely love this film because that's the way humanity works. Some people will love it. Some people will hate it and that's normal. Yeah. So the things that, um, jumped out at me with trying to do a critique of the 1980s we both grew up during that time yes so this, this is supposed to be july of 1984 so i was nine 
and would turn 10 before the presidential election. And there were just elements of it that, that were just wrong. Like Reagan, Reagan was terrified of nuclear war. He was not soft on the Soviets, but he also didn't want a nuclear war, which is why we were developing the Strategic Defense Initiative because he found mutually assured destruction to be morally bankrupt. And so like his wish of wanting more nuclear weapons just out of character, especially by that time. I will say that was one thing. To me, it was not clear that they were trying to directly do Reagan as opposed to more of a generic president. I did not actually tie him so much to Reagan specifically. That's what I thought as far as the president he was dealing with. It, well, I saw it as like you're doing a knockoff Reagan and not doing it well. Yeah. And again, having lived there, been afraid of nuclear weapons and the idea of dying in a blinding flash of light, you know, and the fact that we broke the Soviet Union. In 1984, running against Reagan was described as running against America uh, because of the Olympics, the Statue of Liberty celebration. Yeah. Mondale, nice man. God, did he draw a short straw on when to run? Like that was. He did. And he only carried his home state, my home state, Minnesota. <laughs> but tying into current day, the first major party female vice presidential candidate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Coming back full circle to right now. Yep. Yep. Except this time they won. Yes. Um, yeah. And by 7 million votes. And they were because, <laughs> you know, that's the way we roll. Uh, the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so there was stuff like th those themes that bothered me. And also the being aware that I, I, I know there are female fans who when they watch a superhero movie and they see like women depicted as not being able to open jars or they scream at spiders, like, you know, that sort of negative uh, depiction. Yes. This, there were elements in this that, you know, showed men as just being scum. And you had the, the drunk guy, you know, the, the one drunk guy in DC that keeps hitting on uh, Christina. Cheetah, yes. Yeah. It's like, okay. He just, does he just hang out? Okay. That's just a weird lifestyle right there. Not. And then uh, her work environment like, again, I was nine at that point in time, so I have no idea what the professional life was like. Uh, but was it really like that? And it just, uh, it was just seemed very shallow. And I don't know if that was intentional or, uh, but again, it was moments like that that kind of took me out. It's like, okay, is literally all of her coworkers are horrible people to her. Like, except for Diana, like, yeah. Uh, so it's just stuff like that, that gave me pause. That's fair. I agree with the coworker thing. That really was too big a switch, right? From like completely ignoring her to all of them fawning all over her. Um, I will say the drunk guy certainly resonated with me. To me, that was a little nod to sort of the me too and these constant drunk guys harassing. Um, honestly, depending on where you live, like, like you often do stumble into the same kind of drunks outside the same bars, whatever, who constantly harass you. So to me, that part very much resonated. And I love like the no, no, 
no. I mean, then she kept kicking him like, all right, well, now it's a bit excessive. <laughs> but the first few no's and like holding him down and kicking him, I do have to say, uh, I like that. Um, yeah, I, you know, to me, and I was thinking about it afterwards, the plot, again, there's holes and there's things. I mean, to be fair, I don't know that there are many of the superhero plots that I've ever been totally impressed by, right? I mean, even like end games, I mean, a lot of them there's, I'm like, all right. So to me, I never, it is not one of the movies, superhero movies are not ones I care a ton about the plot. Um, Cause it is rather, you know, you kind of know the beats that it's going to hit. For me, I did love the 80s stuff was fun. I thought they could have punched it up even a little bit more, but I did love the 80s stuff. I love that Steve Trevor got the clothing montage instead of the women who always get the clothing montage. Um, I uh, I did, I love the opening scene with going back to, I can never say it, but the mascara or whatever and showing their kind of Olympics was freaking awesome. The mascara and the fact that they actually wore clothes. That yes, there were, there were no midriffs. Like, <laughs> yes, all the and women were just were... strong and fierce. And it's funny, actually. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but the uh, what was the other thing I was gonna say? And I will say the Steve Trevor storyline because you're like, what? How they bring him back again is the wish fulfillment. So you know, these magical devices are always very con uh, convenient in superhero movies. But I tell you what. It totally worked. Um, and then when he actually, when they did kind of have to say the goodbye and then she left and renounced her wish, I was crying. And I'm not that big a crier in the movie. So I will say that hit me emotionally very hard and was very well done. Um, and I do love Chris Pine as Steve Trevor, I got to say. The fact that Wonder Woman pined for Steve Trevor for 65 years bothered me. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. A good man, you don't forget. And <laughs> I'm sure I've ruined women like that who decades later are still thinking about me. But, That's right. Uh, that, that There was that moment of like, it's been 65 years. Like you didn't, how long have you, are you still grieving 65 years later? And, but if you're immortal, like, does that normal? Yeah. So, I mean, 65 years probably isn't as long to her. Plus, you're right. It was both grieving Steve, but it was also, it wasn't just a grieving of Steve, right? She was denying herself any fun. She was just like, I work all the time. Um, and because really, if you think about it, if you did place this in the timeline, she basically came, she did that World War one stuff thank you i was like wait it was world war one i'm getting my movies confused world war one stuff and then steve dies and then she's just kind of there so she never really had an introduction to human life and she's like i'm wonder woman the fact that she kept trying to keep wonder woman secret i thought was a little bit odd i'm like i think enough of this stuff a reporter would have figured out something's going on like at least you know spider-man and superman they kind of reported more on that stuff the fact that nobody's like ah this weird lady keeps showing up and doing these things but eh, we won't talk about it I think that was left over from Zack Snyder and ah. Batman v Superman with nothing existing of her. Oh, that's true. So that's why. So they had to kind of do a nod to that. All yeah. right. Fair point. So they, uh, Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns had to make it work with what's been a Yeah, that is hard. That is always hard. Yeah. Uh, so mixed feelings. Uh, I did appreciate uh, trying to do something different with Maxwell Lord, but I still didn't like it. So I yeah. don't, are you familiar with that character? I am not. So he was introduced in the 1980s when, okay. and the Justice League International and Justice League Europe uh, in the 80s 
were hysterical comics. Yeah. Lots of fun to read, loved them dearly because it was the fun take on being a superhero and Lord was involved with founding those teams. Ah. He was a good guy. They slowly work in that he doesn't have mind control, but a push power. Hmm. And so to give a suggestion and if ever, whenever he does it, he would get a nosebleed. Ah. Several decades later, they, uh, people at in charge of DC decide, let's just stomp all over that. And which again, I found offensive because it was my childhood. Yeah, yeah. They, they decide to make Maxwell Lord full on supervillain. Ah. Goals of world domination. And he ultimately uh, kills one of the heroes, Blue Beetle, who figures out what's going on. And in then the giant battle where Lord's trying to take over the world, Wonder Woman snaps his neck. Kill him. Well, in the movie versions, we've already had Superman snap Zod's neck. Yeah. So Diana snapping Lord's neck would not go over well and also is very inconsistent with the character we've established on screen. Right. I mean, she could do it, but everyone would be freaked out afterwards. Yeah. If it ends with an, if another DC movie ends with a neck snap. Yeah. So that gets pretty brutal after a while. Yeah. And like that can't, they can't have all of their characters (laughs) snap a guy's neck. Um, This is how we solve our problem. Aquaman does it. Batman does it. Like just have all of Flash does it. There's lots of neck snapping, yeah. and, and um, yeah. So having him play Ponzi scheme, and the fact that he's defeated with the truth, and there's no neck snapping. I just, I'm glad they didn't do a neck snap. Yeah the 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 motif of there's no full-on supervillain yeah i have mixed feelings on because when you initially see him it's like oh his business is all horrible and then it's like this is a full-blown ponzi scheme so having the the tv commercials being i know it's black gold cooperative there's a monthly fee you deserve to have it all you don't have to work hard for it you just have to want it like mm-hmm. again hearing that my reaction is screw you uh that's not the way life works mm-hmm. yeah you gotta work so instantly he's a shyster mm-hmm. and uh, he is outright accused of a pyramid scheme by one of the investors mm-hmm. and in our post madoff world let's just define what a ponzi scheme is in case people have heard of it but have never heard it defined And so this is Donnell v. uh, Cowell, and it's a Ninth Circuit case from 2008. Uh, A Ponzi scheme is a financial fraud that induces investment by promising extremely high risk-free returns, usually in a short period of time, from an an allegedly legitimate business venture. The Hmm. fraud consists of funneling proceeds received from new investors to previous investors in the uh, guise of profits from the alleged business venture, thereby cultivating an illusion that a legitimate profit-making business opportunity exists 
and inducing further investment. So, All right. I've never heard of the proper definition. You know, you hang with me and you get a little research. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's why I can sign my name Esquire if I didn't want to look pompous. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't. There are people who do. and it's I know. I don't either. I used to. When I first started, I did. Yeah. But I don't do anymore. But that's not important. What is, is that definition. Because when you think about what is the Black Gold Cooperative, it's a full-blown Ponzi scheme. He's taking in money, saying you don't have to work for it, and there's no oil investment. Like if there was actually business happening and oil rigs working, that could at least be an innovative energy company. Mm -hmm. I flip this. So like, let's just say at present day, and let's say this is the Green New Deal energy pattern. And again, and like make all the liberals cringe in horror. Uh. It's just, oh, oh, you bastard. Like we, this is, we wanted this to be good and you defiled it. Uh, <laughs> how dare you bring up Solyndra? Yeah, it's you know, like that, <laughs> that moment of, um, again, just humor from the Obama years when all the green companies they supported publicly all went bankrupt. Um, ah, oh, dang. I know that. Uh, but again, just imagine like if it was a green energy company, like in pick <clears throat> wind, solar, geo, wave, you know, <laughs> you know like there's, there are all kinds of great potential green energies out there. That we desperately need. That, yeah, there. That's a good thing. So, but if you were trying to feed off mm -hmm. people's desire to not screw the planet, and it turns out to all be a lie, yeah, like it's like you schmuck. It's easy to get mad at the oil company. So again, him saying oil, it's it fits with the 1980s motif. Yes. Uh, but it's just like, uh, um, which also then brings the issue of, I don't know if you picked up on this, but uh, when he goes to Egypt to meet with the king of oil, yes, uh, that would have violated the Logan Act. And the Logan Act is you cannot be a U.S. citizen and you know, further a foreign policy that uh, goes against or the country's interests. So just a pull up the definition here of the Logan Act. Uh, any citizen of the United States, whoever he may be, who without authorization of the United States directly or indirectly uh, uh, commerces or carries on any correspondence or intercourse with any foreign government or an officer or agent thereof when, with intent to influence the measure or conduct of any foreign government or to any officer thereof in relation to any uh, disputes or controversies with the United States or to defeat the measures of the United States shall be fined under this title or in prison, not more than three years or both. Right. So again, Egypt, Egypt didn't exactly have the best record for democracy in the 1980s. Um, but the idea of a U.S. citizen going over there and promising to bring back old kingdoms. Yes. And, and destabilize the region. Oh. And for the Soviet Union to go like, hey, thanks. 
and the U.S., Britain, NATO, and everybody, everybody else going like, what the hell, dude? Yeah. That full-on Logan Act violation. Ooh, nice. It's, but again, that's how I roll. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> Issue spotting everywhere he goes. You know how to stay single. <laughs> um. Again, I thought some of that stuff and even like the the hollow businesses and all that were very much a Trump reference, right? The whole, I mean, all the kind of, I guess there's no actual Ponzi scheme, but just as far as kind of a con man goes, empty hollow businesses that aren't actually successful, um, all of that certainly seemed reminiscent of that. Um, and I, of course, you know, yeah, the whole, I think there could have been different ways that they could have done the whole capitalism and the evil capitalist, because um, I'm always here for them as a supervillain. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, it was sort of odd. Yeah, having casinos go bankrupt, stuff like that. that exactly. I mean, that, that would have been university. Super, yeah, yeah, that would have been super on the nose. But yes. People like, yeah, um, that happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, the part that always strikes me with a lot of these things, but legally is, you know, and again, it was a little bit vague, but it looked like when everybody or most people, since Cheetah is still kind of hanging out there, renounced their wishes, things sort of went back, but it's not like, it, you know, it was sort of like the snap and everything, where it's not like everything was reversed to push you back in the position you were before. So I, you know, because I could think about these wishes that were being made and all this sort of in the form of a contract. Being a civil litigator, I always think of things as like, you know, what's the contractual issue here? Um, you know, and so even when these people were making these wishes, there was almost an exchange of consideration. They would get what they wanted in exchange for giving the, uh, you know, uh, Maxwell Lord what he wanted. So there's certainly consideration there for these sort of contracts, although actually, like you said, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why you can't enforce illegal contracts. And a lot of these would have been illegal in many ways. Um, obviously, there were no, you have to have a meeting of the minds. In most of these cases, there wasn't that. But what I did wonder is, you know, what does happen? Um, just all the damage, all the agreements, anything that happened when all of a sudden the wishes are renounced. And I guess, for example, like in Egypt, the wall went away. But I think like the chaos of the past few days and all of that was still there. So, um, you know, just kind of thinking from a business perspective, because again, you know, a lot of times contracts have force majeure clauses. So if there's some reason you can't perform, you know, you have this out with this force majeure, but I'm like, where would this apply? Like if there were business disruptions or any kind of issues in those few days, um, certainly the stock market, all of that, I was like, what are the ramifications to all those sort of things? The, the civil business world that's still going on even during these chaotic times. Although actually it may not have always been going on. Certainly some of those scenes look like it was just pure chaos. So. Yeah, there, oh God. So, you know, with the, the issues in Egypt with the wall coming down and then that area flooding. Yeah. So I don't know if that was supposed to be a positive like hey look water's coming in now yeah have great irrigation through downtown cairo um but again maybe that that issue of flooding would you know prompt force majeure as opposed to uh a revolution that took place or a uh overthrow of a government through wish just again weird yes Uh, in the united states you had reigning chaos uh as well with riots in the street so that raises issues of like martial law to I mean, property damage to 
you know, like the guy with cows running or well, not running. But yeah. Just, also, he had a, yeah, his farm right there at the Watergate or something. It was just yeah. Like, well, that's convenient. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, again, it's like the monkey's paw nightmare wish that do you really want that? And uh, so, yeah, there. It was an interesting concept, but it's messy. Um, yeah. I don't know how you quite undo it. Uh, it seemed seemed to imply. Is it just like a giant mulligan of like, hey everybody, sorry about that. Uh, kumbaya, let's all start singing happy songs. Josh, I actually have to interrupt with a special um, interruption here. We're going to have a guest podcaster here briefly talk my daughter carrie is 13 almost 14 and is uh has a very awesome well-educated opinions on many things so uh, she watched wonder woman with me so she wants to chime in here so her first ever podcast appearance from carrie okay so basically nobody had to renounce their wish except for people who made wishes before the rich guy turned into the stone. It's like anybody who made the wish when the guy was on TV wouldn't have to renounce their wish because since he renounced his wish, then none of their wishes would have existed because they wished to him. Ooh, all right. <laughs> I, uh, Thank you for that. Sorry, what? Good analysis, because I was wondering about that too. Yeah. Because it's temporal mechanics at that point. In time. <laughs> and, but you still have people renouncing their wishes. So when the president renounces his wish, right. the Soviet ICBMs that had been launched as a first strike against the United States magically break up. Right. Which um, theoretically shouldn't have happened. The world should have been destroyed. Um, thanks? Yeah. Like there's... Uh, but yeah, Lord and his wishes just really seemed out of character from what they had. Hmm. Uh, but part of it is Pedro Pascal is such a nice man. Yeah. But, you know, he he's just neat. Throwing in the, the absentee dad angle, which was real in the 80s. That 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 was real. Yeah. Uh, still is, uh, yeah. but the but especially then it was much more common for the divorced dads to yet not see the kids much. Yeah, Joint custody was not a thing in the eighties. No, and just uh, it's very easy for guys to screw up and not know how to fix it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you get into all the cultural uh, expectations or the lack of emotional tools for guys to deal with problems. Yes. You know, I speak from lots of experience there uh, that like, did they just lean into that? Was that the goal of, he knows he screws up with when talking about his kid and hurts his kid's feelings. So he realizes that again, it's that weird line of let's not have the bad guy be a bad guy. And yeah. they, they do that with Cheetah as well. Mm-hmm. That she's not, in, in, she's sympathetic. Even though another lawyer I was chatting with, uh, she was, well, 
pardon the pun, but pretty catty about Cheetah. <gasps> and thinking that uh, Barbara had it in her all the time. Yeah. Of, of to be that way. And, huh. and I, that raises a weird nature versus nurture that, because uh, I, I do believe in the Pygmalion effect that if you treat somebody a certain way, that's what you're going to get. Right. So that or the other thing to me was, is it the placebo effect, right? Confidence on its own can do so much for a person that even if you think, you know, you have a, a magical gift that's made you sexy and desirable and whatever, that can go a long way. Um, now, obviously, you can't get you to beating Wonder Woman up in a battle. But um, that's interesting. We have not talked about Cheetah, and I really did love Cheetah a lot. I sort of like, and maybe that's, again, for a lot of us, we want to think that even people that are bad, they're that way because of some unresolved childhood conflict that they don't have the emotional tools to deal with, right? I think that's a more comforting thought than thinking they're just some people who are purely rotten. So I am, and I'm a soft touch. So even like, you know, showing Kai Maxwell Lord supposedly, you know, uh, sad childhood, um, you know, uh, or yeah, or Barbara's kind of background that might make her want to be the cheetah and keep this wish. Again, it's even like with Trump, as awful as he is, I'm like, I have no doubt a lot of this came from his dad massively messing with his head. I mean, Trump's childhood trauma is right there on the surface. Now, given how many people he's hurt at this point, it's hard to feel much sympathy for him. But still, you can see it right there. Like, there is not even a question of, huh, I wonder why Trump acts this way. You're like, oh, we know quite well. It's pretty easy. Um, but anyway, so I am a soft touch for that. But I really did like Cheetah. I also love that Kristen Wiig is my age. So that means I'm going to start auditioning to be the supervillain in the next Wonder Woman movie. So yeah, so that gave me hope too for 2021. Jessica supervillain, 2021. Is that why you wore a cheetah print today? Oh, oh my god! That was not intentional, but yes, see, it's the mind. I'm putting it out there into the universe, Josh. I'm going to be, maybe I can be Cheetah's sidekick in the next Wonder Woman, which by the way, the day we're filming this today, they just announced a Wonder Woman 3. And even I do have to say, well, I'm, you know, agreeing that there are some issues with the plot here. I still loved Wonder Woman 2. I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Um, and so I was very excited to see the news about Wonder Woman 3 coming. So I'm concerned you want to be the villain. Um, They're more fun than being the superhero. Uh, yeah, not how I roll, but... Um, that's my wish fulfillment. I'm always so good all the time. I'm like, that's why I always love, like, Bad Teacher, that Cameron Diaz movie, or, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. Like, I mean, I think for a lot of us, it is that wish fulfillment. Like, we want to just be the bad, selfish people sometimes, you know? no. I don't feel oh, that way. All right. I just said, I'm like, I'm very, like, it's not good and I won't do it, but I'm sort of jealous sometimes. Not of hurting people, but, you know, just getting to be selfish and stuff. Um, but anyway, we won't go too deeply into, yeah, our psychoanalysis here. We've gotten really deep today. Um, I do say one thing I wanted to loop back to, and again, you know, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you know, spoiler alerts kind of thing. So, but I do want to give a spoiler alert, especially because of the, post-credit scene. Um, so, of course, HBO Max was streaming the Linda Carter Wonder Woman before they released the movie yesterday. So, we started watching that. And it is funny because, I mean, I that's one of my earliest childhood memories, Linda Carter spinning around. I was like, Wonder Woman is awesome and she is crazy hot. Um, 
So I was very excited. You know, we were watching it and we were laughing because holy fudge, apparently TV shows and what was that late 70s, early 80s are really cheesy and pretty bad in a lot of ways. But of course, what's funny is in like the first episode, they actually show like the athletic competition where, you know, Wonder Woman has to like mask herself with a blonde wig and the masks that she can win the competition to take Steve Trevor back to the world of humans. Um, But it was so funny to see that in contrast then with the opening scene of Wonder Woman where they're showing, no, this is now what we say women can do. Because of course, when they were doing this back, you know, in Linda Carter days, um, I think there was, uh, you know, women were barely allowed to run marathons and things like that at that point. The whole idea of women being like physical badasses was still a pretty foreign concept. And so it was nice to see that contrast now of what badasses these women were in the Amazonian competition at the beginning of Wonder Woman 2. Yeah. Thinking about the pilot to to Wonder Woman, which I think was 75. Oh, my God. Was I didn't look it up. Was it that long ago? Holy fudge. So, yeah. And I... I had very mixed feelings because my reaction was like, well, all these women are running around without bras on. <laughs> it seems super exploitive. And then, oh, yes, I, very. and then I started thinking, wait, am I wrong for thinking that as opposed to be liberated? And I, I'm so conflicted. I don't know the right answer. I don't know if I'm bad for thinking it was exploitation. I don't know if it was supposed to be liberation. I just know that I was super confused (laughs) and what's the right way to feel about that. Uh, But the Olympics trials at at the beginning of 84 were excellent. Yeah. Because they're they're all wearing clothes. We don't have the Zack Snyder bikini look for the Amazon. They're actually like combat ready and it's respectful and they're doing all these awesome things well and seeing robin right back as a general i love her as that general i wish they could do a spin-off on that i would just watch her because she is such a badass and uh so i knew when they showed the flashback with astaire or and you just see the eye yes i went that's linda carter <gasps> see I did not. And that's a good thing. So the kids, because of course they don't know Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, but they watched a little bit of the show with us, which again was just because it was on and I'm like, let's watch this. So then I did not have a clue. I knew those eyes. I'm like, who is that? I knew those eyes had to have significance. But yeah. So then when the post credit scene was Linda freaking Carter, we all went nuts. I'm getting chills right now just thinking about it. That was so awesome. Yeah, As a middle-aged male, uh, I know her eyes and I recognize them immediately. Wow. I, little boy that watched Wonder Woman as a kid. Hey, I watched Wonder Woman too, but no, I had no clue. And I'm like, that was very smart of HBO because it really, you're just like, oh, that's neat that they're doing the old one just as a promotional thing. But the fact that it tied in so well to that post-credit scene, I was like, that is freaking awesome. And again, my kids without that would not, without having seen the old Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman right before you watched the movie, would not have known at all. So I'm so glad we did that. Yeah, I'm very happy they did as well, just because uh, Linda Carter's a national treasure. Yep. Following her on social media and seeing her Facebook and Twitter posts, it's like, ah, people just respect and love her yeah and she's neat to see her post so I was very ha- grateful 
uh, to see that. It was a nice Christmas present. It was. It was nice to be able to tie her and nice to give her that cameo. So yeah, I thought that was very cool as well. So yeah, I just say overall, again, it's not without his flaws, but I found it highly enjoyable. I do just, and it's funny because Gal Gadot outside of Wonder Woman, you know, there's certain actors that you love no matter what. I have to say Chris Evans, like in Knives Out was so interesting. I'm like, I would see Chris Chris Evans do other things. Um, Robert Downey Jr., quite frankly, I loved him in the 80s. Speaking of the 80s, back to school, Robert Downey Jr., modern day Robert Downey Jr., outside of Iron Man, whom I barely like. I don't want to see him in anything. And Gal Gadot so far, and I don't even know if she's done many other things, but, you know, anytime I see her outside of um, Wonder Woman, I have no interest, but I find her absolutely perfect and fantastic and just wonderful as Wonder Woman. That somehow that genuineness and that goodness and all that just comes through so well with her. And I just love it. It's a complicated character to pull off right up there with Captain America or yeah. Superman because it can be a parody very easily yeah because it's somebody who's supposed to represent decency and be inspiring Mm -hmm. you know christopher reeve did that masterfully with oh he did uh, and chris evans with captain america those are for i think the three most difficult characters to play would be wonder woman superman and captain america because it could be insincere very easily or very just eye rolly right like you could be like oh my god we get it you're a do-gooder get over it yeah i think that's a good point instead of being like no this is awesome and i want to be better now exactly because yeah there's just a lot there and and again we can rave about those those actors and their portrayals i uh, again, I, I noticed other legal issues such as, again, we have the robbery at the beginning and oh, yeah. was threatening to throw the little girl off the balcony. Uh, did that break the conspiracy? Because the other conspirators in the robbery all had the look of, what the hell, dude? <laughs> like when they were doing that, this was not a natural and probable outcome of the conspiracy for you to take a hostage that's a kid, and then threatened to just kill her. Like See, I would argue that it is, given that they're at a mall where there are tons of children and those same sort of things, that there is definitely a life and death aspect to it. So you don't get to say, whoa, this dude is crazier than we thought. I mean, like, nope, that's, you should have known better. That's what I would argue. Fair argument. I would, it'd be one thing if it was a rogue bullet that took yeah. out a bystander. It's another thing to take a kid as a hostage. That was pretty extreme. By the way, you're right. We forgot to mention that was Michael Keaton there at the beginning, right? I don't know. Wasn't it? I forgot to look that up because it happened so fast. Hold on. You keep talking. I'll look that up. I'm like, I think that's Michael Keaton showing up in just this one random scene, which is awesome. Good for him if that was him. The, I thought that pers- I thought one of them looked very familiar. The, the other thing that jumped out was uh, Diana just working at the Smithsonian yet had access to aircraft and then they decided, oh I know <laughs> it's like you're in the you're in the museum of natural history why do you get to go pick out an airplane and that I mean again it's been 65 years maybe she had she's done identity theft multiple times in in playing 
you know, because coworkers would know that you you notice you're not aging. Uh, yes, that's true. Yes. I mean, like, how long can she be at a place before yeah. she has to leave or fake her death or something? Uh, and, and if she stays in the D.C. area, like, again, problematic, uh, harder to do today with technology. But uh, true. Up in, uh, probably up until the 90s, uh, it would have been easier to be immortal uh, and stay off the grid. So you get yeah. that. But Steve Trevor doesn't have a pilot's license for jets. He went from open cockpit biplanes. I know. That have six, seven instrument panels to look at. And again, that's like altitude, maybe altitude, gauge, you know, fuel, you know, just engine temperature, oil pressure to hopping in a jet. And well, the principles of flight of constant that's really hard to pull off true yes that was pretty funny i agree it's i mean i mean again principles of flight are the same it was worth it for the radar comment though because it was pretty funny to have to tell him about radar that in his reaction to that seemed the most natural (laughs) because like the way she puts her hands over her face was just darling because it, it looked like a real couple and how yes. when were you going to tell me this <laughs> oh and though and it also gave her an excuse to have a legitimate reason and a legitimate way to do the invisible jet see that was awesome too man see the more i'm thinking about this the more awesome it is again that was clever yes again, again the body language or them in bed with her you know just wanting to stay in bed and her making the comment however we should probably figure out why my dead boyfriend is in another man's body yeah um and him going fair point like that natural chemistry that those two actors have uh but yeah you can't fly you can't just fly a jet you can't uh, i don't think that had enough fuel to get to Egypt. yes DC. So I don't, even if it did, uh, I didn't look up the mileage, but that's probably what, 8,000 miles? Oh, I have no clue. Uh, It's, you know, 3,000 across the Atlantic and then to get to Cairo. Yeah. That's not short. That's. No, I did wonder about that. I'm like, how do they have enough fuel on this thing? Plus, of course, yeah, all the checkpoints. But again, it's a superhero movie. I never uh, look at the plot too closely. All right, and it looks like I made have made that up. I was so sure that was Michael Keaton, but I can't find anything online. So I must have been a mistake. It must be his doppelganger. Especially given that he's still in the DC universe. Because like, I think, that, what, isn't there talks about him coming back as Batman? Yeah, with the Flashpoint movie that's... That... Which... Oh, sorry, go ahead. If they do that, that'd be very cool. If they did, we would then have to go back and talk about my favorite Batman, which is Michael Keaton in the Tim Burton Batman with the Prince soundtrack back in what, 1990, 91? I love that. 89. 89. Oh, my. Okay. We definitely can go talk about that and uh, the sequel, Batman Forever, because they're brilliant. Um, But let's avoid Schumacher because those are not. uh, No. Yeah. Anyway. uh, All right. Well, there was so much good stuff. Um, Yeah. 
I did enjoy it. I mean, you are right. There are a lot of holes in it, but I still really enjoyed it. And I'm going to have to watch it again, especially since we only have 31 days to stream. I'm going to have to watch it several times. And then there is a small part of me that's hoping there are not theaters around me that are open right now, but I'm hoping maybe this summer there'd be a theater that would be open and maybe Warner Brothers could do some special screenings of some of these big ones like Dune and this, because I would love to see them in a big theater. Uh, agreed. I My first job was at a movie theater back in high school. That's right. And I believe in the movie going experience. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in the movie going experience during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I am very happy with what Warner Brothers is doing with their releases to not endanger lives because Tenet bombed. Yeah. Instead of go see this movie and hope you don't die. Hold your breath. Yeah, that's uh, wear your bubble outfit. Uh, that's just not okay. Yeah. Uh, but that said, I, I applaud what they're doing so people can stay safe because we're, you know, we have vaccines getting rolled out. First, resp first responders, the uh, doctors and uh, others are getting it. I was uh, entertained to see that lawyers were in category 1C from the CDC for yeah, so like they, they actually put lawyers and judges close to the top. I see judges and like certainly criminal lawyers and defend, uh, prosecutors who have to keep like, there are certain things they have to keep doing. On behalf of all the civil litigators, I will say we should not be anywhere near the top, so. And I agree with that. I really, the constitution has to work. So we need judges and DAs and public defenders and those doing criminal defense and jurors yeah to be able to be inoculated in order to make sure that we uphold constitutional rights of others as long as we're still going to do that if we're still going to do that if we're not then who cares yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would also put family law in that category yeah yep that would be up there too social workers they should all get it i mean especially actually social workers um and stuff like that i know for like you know home visits things with children yeah, for us civil litigators who can do everything from home or um, like kind of isolated office space and by Zoom and stuff, we do not need to be getting them anytime soon. Although yeah. I do want one. Let me proclaim once they're available, like once all everybody who needs it more has gotten it, the kids and I are definitely getting it. Very pro vaccine here. Yeah, I as would I. I don't, I've heard about allergic reactions and being someone who suffers from hay fever, I would not want the Pfizer one because there apparently has been a couple issues with that huh. uh, but i would like more information that said um i don't have a problem with civil litigators waiting yeah the, uh, things that have been happening i'm completely fine with uh, case management conferences and discovery motions and non-dispositive matters continuing to be virtual yeah i think that should stay because i like i love just having 20 minutes to do a hearing and appearance and it doesn't take half the day. And it, it's just 20 minutes and I'm you know, back to work and I'm already at the office or working from home, whatever the case is. The uh, Zoom trials sound like a horrible oh. idea. Yeah, I cannot, even, luckily I've not had to do that. I can't imagine that. The, I've been told that uh, from one of uh, from an insurance company that a friend's at from what she described uh 
the plaintiff bar is not happy because uh, the best that they've gotten is a mistrial. Yeah. Uh, because you can't get an emotional connection to a jury. Yeah. Zoom, and the jurors are still dealing with their kids who are, you know, you know, they're, they're double. Uh, yeah. They're playing teacher as well. And then you throw in the other factor of um, the defense bar hates it because it's like, so there are no defense verdicts. You've, we've gotten a couple of mistrials. Oh, that's a good, good track record right there. So yeah. uh, neither, neither bar is happy. Um, no. So yeah, we can wait. Uh, we, I, I'm all for ordering mandatory settlement conferences because we have to make sure the calendar moves forward or else come 2022, all hell's going to break loose when we have two and a half years worth of cases all hitting at the same time. So there's, that's ugly to think about. So we, there are some real issues that we have to think about as attorneys to make sure that the system keeps moving forward and people who need representation, who have, who have claims can be heard. Well, if we can get through the next month of chaos, hopefully we can start trying to sort stuff out and get productive solutions to problems. Until then, I'm just going to hunker down. I'm going to watch Wonder Woman. And in between Wonder Woman, I'm going to watch Bridgerton. I need to start a romance podcast to talk about Regency romance things and my love for all things Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> so probably one of those out there already that I could just listen to. But um but this was fun. I hope everybody is having as good a holiday season as possible. I'm hoping for a better 2021 for all of us. Right? As am I. Well, Papa Joe's on the way. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very optimistic for the future. And because Grandpa's coming. feeling. <sighs> so everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll be talking with you all very soon. Take care. Bye.